0: They're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now. And if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some meat eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close, you can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger ready to roll and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls because I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give him the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So it's not that I don't like him. i just have Yanni use his, then I don't have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA, and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today.
1: Hey, I'm KC. Hey, and I'm Tyler. And you're listening to The
0: Element Podcast. Fast man.
1: What's happening, everybody? We are just some papa moose peepals around here. (laughs) Papa moose. If you don't know what that is, that is uh, the British word for grapefruit. Pomple mouse. Which also might be French. I don't know, but it's weird. Um, Right now, it's my current favorite flavor of sparkling water. But y'all didn't come here for that. You came (laughs) here for all. It's a good flavor, man. I will say that. Oh, I like it a lot.
2: Um, These polars are high class. They are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. American Made. Yep. There you go. Good. Um Just like us. That's right. Damn <laughs> it. You can support American Made by supporting the element. That's right. Even if we do
1: sell Chinese shirts. You have to. <laughs> <laughs> name <laughs> name an American shirt brand. <clears throat> that ain't happening. But uh, y'all have been buying a lot of merchandise lately, and we really appreciate that. I want to tell you thanks um, for all the support. Merry um, Christmas to y'all. That's right. Merry Christmas to y'all. Merry <clears> Christmas to us. It's just that type of... Time of year, mm-hmm. just hot and sweaty. Merry Christmas, sweaty. eighty degrees. <laughs> that's right. Merry Christmas. That's what we're used to. I think that I don't want to dive too far off into this, but people just have memory loss, and that's the problem. Mm-hmm. They forget that it's the South, and Christmas every like year. this is like this every it's, year. It's they It's been forget. this way my whole life. Yeah. You know, like if we have cold weather over Christmas, it's weird. Yeah. It's not. Oh my gosh, it's eighty at Christmas. You know, like. Yeah. It's a thing that happens pretty often.
2: I think the only time I've ever had a white Christmas, we were actually in New Mexico. Mm. We had an ice Christmas one time when I was like nine. I remember oh, that. Oh, really? Yeah. Those, are, those happen more than snow yes, down here. Yes, absolutely. It we're likes to old... rain at about 34 degrees, <laughs> yeah. and then that night it gets down to 18, and it mm. turns into the worst. Yeah. We actually can grow some really, really big uh, icicles in yeah, Texas. Yeah, we can. Yeah. We grow good good things, man. Lots of good things down here. <laughs> Sometimes big deer, but usually not in this area. That's right. And uh, <laughs> we grow lots of ice. We grow um,
1: tifton hay mm-hmm. and all the nutritious stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, we wanted to do uh, do some Q and A stuff today because y'all have been sending us a lot of questions of the last month. Uh, but first, um, Tyler actually has gone on a public land hunt. Believe it or not, <laughs> as little as we've hunted Texas public land this year, uh, you actually have done a little bit of that lately, right? yeah.
2: Mm, a little bit would a little be bit. a good Tiny. descriptive, yep. <laughs> a little bit. We, uh, so me and Eric went down. Uh, I actually drew a hunt, um, that I don't know how big a deal it is because I think there's like 200 dudes on every hunt that That's happens on this place, but mm-hmm. it's the Laguna National Wildlife Refuge, Laguna Atascosa, which. When they, if you call them and they answer, they say Laguna Escosa. It's like the A on the end and the A in the beginning are one. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the element. Yeah, the element. The Mm -hmm. element. That's what it is, Laguna Escosa. And so, anyway, uh, we got, I drew that archery deer. um, And so I got a chance to shoot Neil Guy while I was down there. That's what you get as well. So Neil Guy Antelope. Uh, A lot of people, um, that are slightly more pale than their Texas brethren, such as Eric, Uh, don't know what a Neil guy antelope is, (laughs) but uh, it's a big antelope from India that weighs four to 600 pounds. Oh, Um, blue bull. They call them blue bulls. The bulls are kind of bluish gray, kind Mm -hmm. of black. The cows are brown and they're they're really cool. They're built real muscular. They got a big old front shoulder. They stand kind of weird, Um, but they're, they're, very, I've had them. They're very tasty, but I haven't had a ton of the meat; just a little bit at Jesse Griffith's place, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, but they have the reputation of being one of the like tastiest game, you know, table fairs out there. So I was really excited about that because I've always, I've always, you know, growing up in Texas, you've known, you know, about Neil Guy if you've grown up hunting mm-hmm. for a long time. I mean, it's been something that's always been talked about. King Ranch is kind of the epicenter, and. Um, they don't live, like they don't, they don't do well in freezing weather. So they don't live very far out of the Rio Grande Valley, pretty much lower Rio Grande Valley. So um, there's this very specific region of them. And I got a chance to go do it. It's, it's like I said, I don't know if it's a big deal or hard to draw or whatever, but um, I certainly was glad to go down there and uh, to have the chance. And so we took a kayak that Casey had, we had a three piece kayak. Um, in the back, I took a e-bike that my dad had, I was borrowing everything. And then, uh, some fly fishing gear, took a whole thing of flies because you're going down to the lower Laguna Madre, which is world-class fishing for some of the, you know, I guess you call it flats type stuff or whatever, you know? And, um, I've always heard about it growing up, you know, um, reading the Texas fishing game articles and stuff about it just made me just like... Long to go down there and see sunrises, you know mm-hmm. <clears throat> and and it was even certainly a lot more wild fifteen twenty years ago, when I was reading those articles but um you know, really cool area when we got down there, um took fishing stuff so that hopefully we could shoot something and then fish a little bit and head out right and I was really excited it's it's Mexico, I mean it's as far south in Texas as it gets, and you've been down there some fishing, yeah right
1: we, we uh family vacated there a lot when i was in high school and when i was in college that was like the place we'd go um really loved it you know Um, yeah it's where i learned to kind of surf fish and then Mm. that kind of exploded for a few years there and did a bunch of that in a lot of different places but um south padre island in particular is a lot of fun because it's kind of like got the florida vibe in texas you know Mm -hmm. where it's a you know fairly pretty beaches and um Water's nice a lot of the time, and the weather's always nice. And, you know, there's some slightly touristy type stuff around there. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty cool.
2: Yeah. There's definitely, it's a huge, uh, spring break destination for texas kids yeah uh, in don't college. Go there. <laughs> yeah don't don't do it. it's a, I mean it's a mess but like outside of spring break i imagine it stays pretty oh
1: it's chill, you know it's real family friendly yeah. outside of spring break yeah it's yeah. it's real cool um, and
2: that whole there's a
1: national seashore there at pottery right uh actually you got to go in from corpus to go to the national seashore mm-hmm. yeah the other the um just like everything along the Texas border, it's there's a lot of gray area there, mm-hmm. uh, including on South Padre Island. Um, north of town is land that is claimed but not really taken ownership of by a lot of private entities and um, the Wildlife Refuge. Uh, so um, it's kind of open beach or whatever yeah. for the for the north there. But they ha- they take <clears throat> uh, beach pass to get on the beach there. Mm-hmm. So. I don't really know what the pass is for, but yeah. you're supposed to. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. I still <laughs> but, have the pass on my truck from Matagorda. Yeah. Um, and there's jetties down there, too, at uh, the south part of the island. So mm-hmm. you can go down there and have some fun, too. Yeah. So.
2: I was real bummed because I've never really been, um, like, I guess, been to Corpus a couple times, been to Matagorda. Like, those are pretty much my only. Mm-hmm.
1: I've
2: been to Port O'Connor one time. Mm-hmm. you know. But, Port O'Connor's like, a
1: neat place. Yeah. It, it was is. cool. It's it's uh, it's unique. Kind of like Port Mansfield's pretty unique too. Like there's some, and there's even smaller Texas towns that you've never heard of that yeah. are like these little micro fishing cultures. That <clears throat> yeah, there's like 15 guys that live there or have a house there that eat, sleep, and breathe what goes on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: it's cool, man. I mean, yeah. I like the whole culture down there and everything. But I'd never been that far south. I ended up in Port Isabel, which was, I mean, it is. It's within 10 miles of Mexico, I believe. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, it is way down there. Yeah. And Could when you see I say Mexico,
1: uh, no, I don't think. It's, um, I mean, from Port Isabel to SpaceX, it's probably eight miles as the crow flies, something huh. like that. So, that might not have just been a rocket up or something. Yeah, you know? yeah, but, yeah. yeah. So, you go to um, Brownsville and take the Boca Chica Highway, and it takes you to SpaceX down there, mm-hmm. pretty much on the beach. Like, between... If if I think, if I know this right, it's between the Brownsville Channel and the border is where Mm. that highway is. Like, kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) It is. You know, it's a it's a whole different thing. And like that area is not just like close to Mexico, but it is like south of a lot of Mexico.
1: Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Because it's
2: way down there on the Uh, tip. It's actually
1: uh, overall, from what I understand, not super. Sketchy. It didn't yeah. seem like it to me. No. No. And I,
2: we were in some of the, we went to some little f- fishing communities and stuff in the area and everything was real nice, mm-hmm. you know. And way rather
1: be there than El Paso. Oh, yeah. El Paso
2: scary. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it is scary. Um, but anyway, so I, I uh, what we did was we went down there. <clears throat> we had a few things to do on the way down uh, the day that we left. And we're going to leave a day ahead and then there was a day of scouting that Eric and I could do together. And then, um, he couldn't be on the refuge during the hunt because he didn't have a permit, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, but we could scout together the day before. And so we got down there the two days before we took off, we had a, you know, pretty much had a flat tire. Uh, I found like a roofing nail at a convenience store stop, like an hour in and in my tire and it was holding air well. And then I took, so I took off and I was going to try to get to a tire place, um, In the next like twenty miles, and before I could even get ten miles down the road, I start seeing a low tire come up on my deal, and you know it's just going. It's just going. So we had to change the tire. We had to go to Walmart to get groceries. We had to go to Academy to get. I was going to get some hip waiters, and uh, I was going to get Jed a Christmas present, a couple other things. So like by the time we got down there, it was like thirteen hours. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's a long ways. And so we get down there. We go. We get into this little, you know cheap hotel it looks pretty decent on the outside but like didn't have a deadbolt lock. didn't have a hinge lock barely closed like it would barely lock or you know uh catch or whatever on the door and uh we stayed stayed the night got up the next morning went out and looking around looking for deer and we did some videoing and stuff saw some alligators saw all kinds of cool birds and and some deer and basically long story short we, we scouted all day uh, well we came back in the middle of the day and we kind of like organized everything and I was like ready to go it was as organized as I've been since like Nebraska and <laughs> which you know it's not saying a whole lot um, <clears throat> because it's just become a gear explosion in my truck but uh, I was ready to go then we went out that evening looking and stuff and did a little bit of scouting got on boots on the ground a little bit and, and then saw some Neil guy out of the truck on the refuge we were pumped and I was like I kind of like it kind of was like should I do this in the morning or what you know well, I get a text about 830 from my wife and her granddad has not been doing very well the last couple of years, especially. Um, but he's been making it. And then a couple months ago, he basically became bedridden. And uh, but he was still like, you know, I mean, he can't do much, but he's like not necessarily dying. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so I get a text from her that he's not doing well. Basically talk to her and, you know, long story short, uh, instead of telling the whole thing, um, I went to sleep like eight thirty. I go to bed early this time of year when I've been hunting, getting up early. And, uh, she texted me at like nine thirty, like an hour after and he had passed away. And so I woke up at one thirty, and, um, like couldn't sleep, so I looked over at my phone and saw that, then I definitely couldn't sleep and so we we talked at like you know three in the morning her and I did, and uh basically I decided that I would come home you know and i've mm-hmm. been i've been I've toured in a couple bands and done this element thing for several years now, and there have been times lots of times in my life where I have um like, when something like that would happen, I would kind of push it to the last minute and stay where I am and try to make the most out of the trip, you know? Mm -hmm. And she told me, she was like, she's like, just, you know, she's like, you don't have to come home. Just, uh, you know, I'll let you know when we know when the funeral's gonna be and you can be home for that or whatever. And I just decided against it because I've done that a lot and I just didn't think that it was the right thing to do. Um, Not to mention her family's just done a lot for me, but I just wanted to be back for my family, be able to help anybody who needed help, whether it was like my, my blood family or her family or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to be there to help run errands and take care of kids and whatever else. So basically, um, what I decided was that I would get up the next morning was the first hunt, the uh, first day of the hunt. So I got up, I would get up the next morning and I would hunt. And as soon as deer movement just kind of stopped, like it does at eight thirty in the morning or whatever, usually. I was gonna hop in and take off, and we were gonna head home, get home that night. It's it's really about a ten hour trip or whatever if you don't have to stop at all of the stops. So, um, we so what I decided is because so that really changed my plan from what originally it was gonna be because we were gonna do something that was a really hard access and mm-hmm. um, you know make it a, a hard trip to get into. So anyway, we just. Decided to get out to this place That's pretty close to us Where we had seen yoga the, the night before And I was going to have Eric drop me off And I was going to go in And, you know, right before daylight So I did And I go in And you and I talked about it There's like a point of trees There's kind of like a transition Where uh, it kind of like you see mesquites start out of this open salt grass country and then it just gets heavier and heavier back into thicker mesquites and so i was going to work that transition kind of use the mesquites that are kind of open on the edge there to kind of work through because you basically have to hunt from the ground here or on a tripod you can't like hang a stand um so i uh i start working through some mesquites i get out to the point starts getting light and i'm like that looks like a doe right there like 100 yards you know it's just now getting light enough so i can see put my binos up she's there you know and I start working towards her and she's like trying she's like working basically she's working with the wind kind of quartered at her butt Mm -hmm. and so I'm trying to work up ahead so that my wind doesn't blow into her nose right it starts getting lighter and lighter and I'm working as fast as I can without her seeing me there's a little bit of wind so I'm have a little cover but essentially I get to 50 yards and I'm like I'm like, man, I want to rip right now, you know, because <laughs> I know, like, if I can shoot shoot now and get one, you know, I can get her packed out and be out on the road by eight o'clock, you mm-hmm. know, where, and uh, and so I like, I'm trying to get a range on her. I get her at fifty, and um, I was like, man, that's far. I was like, if I can just cut the distance, like another five or ten yards, that would help me a lot. And uh, I, by the time I could even work any closer, she was she was starting to like hear me. So I'd stop when she'd look up. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't. She never saw me, but you know, within about all this happens within about you know fifteen seconds after I ranged her, she essentially just like starts really walking fast and gets my wind, and so it's game over at that point. But I'm like, I walk out to the edge of this these trees and stuff, and I uh, I start glassing. There's deer all out in this salt grass flats, you know, or whatever. And these are kind of small deer. It's, co- you know, Texas coast mm-hmm. line stuff, you know. Um, and anyway, uh, I see a buck nosing does around. And I'm like, dang, hey, this is cool. You know, I get my binos on him. I can tell he's he's way off at first. And I can tell he's okay, but not a monster. And anyway, I'll make this also long story short. Um, he kind of works around does and checks a few different small groups around and then starts working his way back to the thick bedding habitat. That's kind of behind me. And I've been trying to work out into this open country doing like duck walks and stuff. <laughs> I was so sore the next few days, dude. Like when you hadn't duck walked in a oh, month or whatever, yeah. and you start doing that, man, gosh. But, uh, so I, <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, so anyway, he starts working back towards me. So I like, I kind of like abort this one plan that I had, move back on the ground i'm like working real low to the ground i got some tall grass to my advantage in this one little patch and so i get you know where he's like coming pretty close towards me and i'm like this is good you know so i get set up i got my gopro sitting behind me i'm hoping it's high enough turns out it wasn't high enough to get like the actual deer on on footage you know Mm -hmm. and uh he comes out from behind this tall grass and i'm trying to stay low i'm literally behind a mesquite that's like three feet tall Tiny. So it's got two it's just two prongs, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like the size of your finger. And uh and so I don't have much cover. And so I'm staying low and that's I took my backpack off and my GoPro off, and that's why it was low. Just to help my profile. Well he comes out and I finally get him ranged. I have to range right over the top of his head because I've noticed that my rangefinder shoots a little low. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I range over the top of his head, it hits his head, and he's forty six and I hit him again, forty-five, and I'm like, okay. I'm like I shot a deer in Kansas at 50. I feel okay about this. So, I, uh, I by the time I get clipped on, or put my range finder down, get clipped on, and draw, he's, he's as soon as he comes out of that grass, he kind of notices me. But, you know, A, he's a refuge deer. B, <laughs> he's a two-year-old buck. Yeah. Eight point. And, uh, C, I was in the grass. So, like, I mean, I did have a pretty good cover right there beside me. And I was staying low. And so, Anyway, he kind of just starts moving on. I clip on. He looks at me, and uh, then he starts walking again. He's just walk. He had, he had actually walked towards me a little bit, and I didn't think about this. All this happens so quick, you know.
1: Like that is the motif of whitetail
2: hunting. It is, man. It's it's in so hard to make you have the to, best decision all the time. You
1: have to, like, it's almost like we could spend all off season shooting our bows and working on gear and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Or we could just do brain games to like yeah. increase our processing speed, and it, I, like there's something to that. Yeah, like being able to process and take in as many variables as possible and ca- calculate things in your head is a huge part of why I tell. Dude, me. it's a funny funny that you say that.
2: Kaylee got jet this. Um, I think I told you about this little three pong ball, and so like it's like a peace sign without the outer circle, uh-huh. and it's got a ball on each end that's red, yellow. Or gray, uh-huh. and in the middle, it's got a black ball, mm-hmm. and so you toss it up to your friend, and you call out a color, and he has to catch it by that color. Mm-hmm. And me and Eric played it for like forty-five minutes one day, and like talk about brain game processing yeah. quickly. Mm-hmm. Like that could help. I don't know. I mean, it might be worth like when jacking that, around with. We should just
1: the whole crew just get boppets for Christmas. You know <laughs> <For> what I'm talking <laughs> <really? laughs> about? That's another one. That's yeah. a, it's the
2: same concept, you know. Yeah. But that's that's the truth, man, and and so. Anyway, um, by the time I get drawn, he he has walked to me. I bet close to five yards. You know, like a deer does when it sees something weird, it'll walk towards it for a second, get a better perspective. But then he had gone back out, you know, and was parallel to me, mm. broadside. And so I draw my bow. Of course, he stops, and I'm thinking 45. And if you know, let me go ahead and just give all the uh, disclaimers right here. I'm thinking 45. Um, what I should have been thinking was. Texas whitetail, lightning fast, mm-hmm. 45 yards, shoot low, right? Mm-hmm. But instead, I'm shooting like, oh, he's at 45, so I'm holding a little high with my 40, and which is dumb, right? Yeah. Uh, it's dumb. I'll just say it. <laughs> I, I was so mad at myself. But anyway, uh, I'm holding, and I'm like, you know, feel good, pull the trigger, t- and arrow's going, mm-hmm. and I hit him, and it hits... Uh, a little high um, You know Like I don't know I don't know Like I don't want to be the guy That's like TV personality. Oh it's a little back And it's really like Right in front of the Hind quarter or whatever mm-hmm. I mean it, it was a little high But it wasn't like Just a little bit But it also wasn't like Way up You know what was I mean
1: it, Was it like Tree stand perfect Would you say yeah, that Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, It was Pretty Yeah I mean it, Like if I was uh, Like Angled 15 down. yard Tree stand shot yeah. It'd be a pretty dang good shot mm-hmm. Um, but it was, and it was a touch back, but it, I thought, I thought lungs mm-hmm. for sure. And I'm shooting a big monster three blade. And when it hits. Oh, yeah.
1: I thought you were shooting the no, two blade.
2: I was shooting a big old three blade. Oh. When it hits, it left a daggum baseball hole in this thing. I bet. And blood it's a tiny animal. Yeah.
1: Blood. You can hit his, his spine and the. I was hard hoping, at the same time. I was, you
2: know? ho- I was like, like, man, why didn't they hit the spine? You know, yeah. I mean, it
1: wasn't, it, you know, it wasn't super high, but like. I'm just saying, with the size they are down yeah. there, you know, like that's that's one of the really. You don't shoot a big three blade because you're shooting big animals. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the inverse, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. You shoot a big three blade because you're shooting a tiny animal that can move a lot and mm-hmm. you want as much like cutting surface for a small Margin critter. for error. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah.
2: So, anyway. He leaves out with a huge hole bleeding. He takes off straight away. So I can't see the hole and see if it's bleeding necessarily. And he goes straight away and makes this big looping turn to the left. Like, and I can watch him for 150 yards probably. Mm -hmm. And he finally gets to the trees. Not to, oh, first of all, while, right before this deer, I had worked out towards this deer and he had started working towards me, um, some dude led off a, a guy, a hunter at the road where I had been let off and I'm standing there in blaze orange mm-hmm. at like 400 yards off the road. And I'm like, please see me. I'm like standing out like beside a tree thinking the deer probably can't see me cause they're way off. But, and he never saw me. And so this dude is working towards me and the whole time I'm thinking he's about to mess this deer up, you know? Well, so when this deer makes a big 150 yard loop, he runs right in front of the dude that's coming towards me. <laughs> and so the deer goes, and as soon as he he kind of hits the the brush, and like a split second later, I hear a crash, and I'm like, "Holy smokes! It just this just happened. This mm. is awesome!" You know, I was so pumped, couldn't believe that I went out in like you know 45 minutes, shot a, a deer, and was gonna get to go home and just not like completely have this tag and money kind of go to waste essentially. Uh-huh. And uh, so. I, this guy kind of works through i called you and then i i went over to talk to this dude who it ran right in front of and long story short on him he didn't have a clue he didn't know that he didn't even know i shot the deer he just thought i guess the deer was running as fast as it could <laughs> like it was death running i mean like every deer you ever double lung shot is running right and uh just busted into the brush like 75 yards in front of him or whatever. And I was like, man, dang, I mean, he couldn't help me at all. He's, oh, yeah, I think he was back there like 50 yards or whatever. And uh, he kind of dissed me for shooting a two-year-old A, which is completely legal. But uh, then I think he felt bad after I told him my wife's granddad had passed away and I had to leave that <laughs> day. And so he kind of backtracked on that. But anyway, the uh, the <laughs> I, I was like, you know, talk. I talked to him for all of three minutes. And... Um, he got a call from his buddy. They were doing like a drive or whatever. He got a call from his buddy. There's a bunch of deer up there, you know. And so he's like, "Come on!" And I was like, "No, I just shot a, I just shot a buck. I'm gonna go look for that." <laughs> yeah, she told yeah. you to come. He told <laughs> me, "Come on, let's go." And I was like, "No, it's I just shot a buck. I just told you that. Like I'm yeah. going to look for the buck, right?" And so, um, I was like, I kind of, I didn't say that, but I was like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna look for this buck right here, man. Good luck, you know, whatever." And and I'm talking like as we're departing, it starts raining hard, and um it rained off and on for the next two hours and never found my arrow because it hit a jackrabbit and went 400 more yards. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it literally, I guess it, I didn't look super hard, but I looked like I looked everywhere he was in like 50 yards by 50 yards. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? and didn't find it. And this this is pretty tall grass, but not terrible. Um, and then, um, I went and started grid searching, and I, I walked, um, I told Eric at 10, pick me up, we got to go home. Mm-hmm. And I shot the deer like before 7.30 probably. Mm-hmm. So basically, it was like 7.15, I think. So for almost the next three hours, I walked almost three miles and did just loops where I had known he had gone into the brush. It was thick mesquites and cactus and uh, native grasses that are anywhere from two to four foot tall. And this deer is probably a 120 pound deer, and I didn't find him. And I was it rained. And I was so I was soaking wet. I was trying to video a little bit. I was going through under all these branches and getting hung on everything. These little mesquite trees with thorns. Everything's got thorns on it. And I'm walking in snake boots because you know it never freezes there, so there's always rattlesnakes around. And that's kind of the that's kind of what you do down there is wear snake boots. And uh, yeah. Walked a a long ways and never found him. And I told KC, you know, this is the kind of inside stuff that you get when you listen to the podcast as opposed to maybe just kind of seeing this on YouTube or whatever. But I told KC, I was like, man, you know, we could put this video out and probably get raged by some people. And I think a lot of you guys listening out there understand and have been in this situation, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a bunch of experts on YouTube that have killed all the deer in the world that can tell you what you did wrong and everything. Even though I just told all of you what I did wrong, you know yeah. what I mean? And so, and, and it happens in a split second. And like you said, the processing is so fast and it overloads your brain and you get better and better at it the more you do it. But you still always have moments if you're excited about this mm-hmm. that overwhelm you and you don't make the the right the right shot or the right call. Yeah. And no. that's what happened, basically. You're so. the
1: only one that happens to, you know, all those guys throughout up north, they don't have that problem. Even though John, no, John Eberhardt finds a broadhead and <laughs> all 146 deer yeah. he shot, you know. Like, None of those guys ever comment no, on YouTube. No one there has ever missed a deer <laughs> or, or wounded one, right? But, no, I mean, it's it's tough as a part of, of bow hunting. It's, but it
2: would make such a cool video for yeah. y'all to see. Like, it was really, we got some cool footage because Eric was there. There was alligators. See, we saw whooping cranes, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's I mean, another
1: uh, aspect of this that, um we probably should cover is like you can't get a dog cuz yep. it's on federal property you can't get Eric because no other people are allowed on the property
2: mm-hmm.
1: you're grid searching technically you could sit there for another 2 days and wait on buzzers to show up and then you don't you don't have food i mean the but, deer's going to be ruined within 2 or 3 hours anyway. Yeah. it's going to be 80 degrees it was, yeah it was
2: it was like 80 as a high that day yeah so what the game you, Warden says that they lose a lot of deer down there. A bit. That's just I mean and that's the thing is guys, um, you know, I mean, I don't have to justify this to any of you, but if if you ever run into a situation where people are real, you know, anti kind of types that hate the deer loss and stuff like that, there are so many coyotes and bobcats and even ocelots down there. Yeah, that's right. You know, and so like those deer aren't just going to waste. They still feed the the biome down there,
1: you know? Yeah, and, and if anything, if if that's a great point to bring up. If you care about the area and nature and all, wouldn't you rather me kill this deer and leave it there so that yeah. the, the nutrients can reabsorb into the yeah. environment? Yeah, all hippie. That's right. I know. You know, you want me to extract the resource or leave the resource, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because guess what, guys? Every deer that has ever lived has died. Yeah. So... They're going to die. Something they are, man. I don't know the stats, but I would imagine that violent death over um, lay down next to a creek and pass away in its sleep is about one million to point five. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah. it's not. It yeah. ain't something that really happens. It's in just. The real world. It's
2: just, and like we're sitting here talking to hunters, so yeah. you know, I know you guys understand, but it's it's frustrating because you know, like, had I just not gotten the shot off, or had I just said, you know what, I shouldn't shoot, you know. 45 yards at a texas deer mm-hmm. um then just videoed him it would have made for an awesome video for y'all to watch but now the video has to pretty much end with me like shooting a deer and not finding it and yeah. I, I mean i have i would say a pretty good alibi and the fact that it rained for two hours within five minutes after i and shot you had the deer. To leave and i had to leave if you, you didn't know? have to leave it'd be a little bit different but here's the deal dude it we left at t- after 10 Mm-hmm I mean, it was warm. Oh yeah, and getting warmer. I mean, okay, I can search for another hour and maybe find him. Mm-hmm. Maybe I've already been searching for three, so yeah. probably not. But if I do, then is he still good? I don't know. Yeah, you know. And, and so, at what point is it acceptable for me to leave that trail? I, I want to find the deer, but you know, I wanted to, I wanted you know, to take the meat home and the antlers and. You know, and I just, I just, I'm just letting you guys know. I I told KC, I said, man, I just should have, should have just videoed the deer and just made a cool video. And I think it's cool. But I felt, I mean, I literally like a month prior had shot a deer at 50 in the heart. Mm -hmm. And so I felt good about shooting a 45, Mm -hmm.
1: you know? Well, you, wasn't anything wrong with your shot. You said you held high on 40, right? It's about like, if you were shooting a target, you would have hit it where you probably wanted to. Yeah. But that's a deer that moves yep. and you put your 40 high, which means your 45 is where it's supposed to be. But really, you know, it's more of the the learning process of shooting a deer that's 120 as opposed to 220 plus, yeah. you know, like, and then, um, a thing that people don't really talk about very much, I, I had the same thing happen in South Dakota, hit a deer higher than what I wanted to, but it wasn't too high, right? Um... When you're on the ground shooting in tall grass, there's a subconscious thing that I think you do to where you hold a little higher because you're worried about clipping the tops yep, of the grass. that might be because there sure, was grass
2: like that, man. Yeah,
1: that's a that's a that's a thing. You know, it's it's real hard to. Um, I mean, God just made things this way, right? To where a lot of times the grass is about you know halfway up an animal's body, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's hard to hit the lower third. Like you're trying to whenever the grass is that way from the ground.
2: Yep. If I'd have held heart with the 40, I would have killed that deer deader than, I mean, I think I killed it still. Yeah,
1: he was dead. I
2: feel like, I feel like I got the top
1: back of the lungs. Mm -hmm. That's what I feel like. But. And on a tiny deer like that, they just can't take, can't take it. You know what I mean? That's it. That's it. (laughs) No, really, they'll like it. you know, the smaller animals just can't absorb very much, yeah. you know? I they're, mean, the dude was...
2: He, dude, I've seen a lot of deer run off after getting shot, and mm-hmm. he looked like he was dying. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking he was going to fall the whole time. He mm-hmm. was just head down so low, just ripping through. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kept thinking, oh, he's going down right there. And then he would get back up. And he, oh, No, he's going down there. And then he went into the trees, and then this huge crash at like 200 yards away, I could hear him crash. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe he was just busting through brush, but... Whatever it was, I didn't find him, and it's, uh, it, it's a hard thing for me to take because I don't, I don't like that. Like I, if I know that we get to shoot at a lot of deer compared to a lot of guys, right, mm-hmm. but, because we hunt so much, and so we're going to lose some. But I would like to, you know, even if I shoot at five deer in a year, I'd like to not lose one.
1: Yeah, you know? I mean, that's not really uh, – wound loss is a part of it, but it's not really an acceptable part of it, if that yeah. makes sense. Within our circle, we shouldn't accept it. Sure. You know, it's it has to be apparent that it's a thing that's going to happen.
2: Well, but. and this is something I told Hunter. Because um, Hunter, you know, you guys kind of know Hunter through the videos and stuff a little bit and podcasts. But he's been hunting with us a lot, you know. And he's he's part of the team and all. And uh, he's um, he has had a little bit of, uh, you know, trouble when he missed that deer in South Dakota and stuff. And he's mm-hmm. had some trouble. And, uh, I can remember saying to him, I think it's on the video, but it's like, you know, this is, uh, this is kind of what happens. Like this, the way that we are hunting is pretty much, we're making it as hard as we can on ourselves without using a trad bow. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's one of the only ways it could get harder.
1: I feel like, you
2: know, using a trad
1: bow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that, uh. That's the way I would put it though, because we're not like intentionally making it hard. No, it just
2: is hard. It just, yes, it's just harder. You know, Hunter and all of us have shot a bunch of deer at feeders, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like that. And I just feel like a deer at a feeder is, uh, it's standing still. Pretty you have chill. all the time to aim at it. You mm-hmm. don't, you don't, you didn't have to grunt stop it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not on alert and, you know, it's not walking through a hole in the brush that you couldn't trim any wider because you're on public land. They want mm-hmm. you trim any limbs, right? There's just so many variables that make it tougher and, and the way we are doing it right now, and we've been doing it. Um, hopefully, in the future, we can have some private spots so we can trim some lanes and we'll right. just smoke some deer, you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. anyway, that's just, I, I mean, that's I don't think we need to keep going on and on about this, but I just wanted to kind of fill you guys in on the hunt So I don't know if the video will release or not. If it does, it might even be next year, next fall, something like that, mm. um, but it was a fun hunt, Really cool area. I was very disappointed that I didn't get to go fishing and that I didn't get to spend much time there because mm-hmm. uh, it, it was a cool area. But um, it also is very long ways and very difficult. Mm-hmm. Like I, I did I did get a deer shot the first morning, yeah. but I think it is also still very difficult to stalk up on deer. Because, I mean, you're either in like salt flats where it's kind of small, shorter grass, and it's hard to get close to them, uh, to them. Or you're in thick mesquites, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like now your shots are at seven and eight yards, you know, and you can't see anything past 15 yards or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's difficult. I don't know, you know, I have to kind of think about it, you know, if I want to put in for it in the future or whatever, but it was a cool hunt. It's a long ways, just a lot of different things to think about in the future. But um, I probably would like to go back at some point. Not sure if it's next year or whenever, but about next may how does next
1: may sound sounds snaky Mm, maybe not the actual you're talking about
2: on the beach yeah that would be cool yeah (laughs) i would love that dude i would really love to go because i I mean the way i understand it is the further south you go on the coast pretty much the better the fishing gets yeah just because less people and other things
1: somewhat but overall opportunity is way higher lower there's some uh interesting things about you know middle coast upper coast stuff like that yeah. But overall if you want to go down and fill a cooler south is good.
2: i would love to fill coolers. Fill coolers i love seafood good. so yeah. much
1: you know that's a that's another deal but <laughs> um it's kind of specific though if you want to go down there and like save fish to eat yeah um you, you don't want to just go down there and just catch whatever and save it to eat like trout don't freeze worth the hook yeah yeah you know flounder do okay whiting i never have frozen one because i eat them so <laughs> yeah. yeah they usually get eaten on the spot they <laughs> yeah. used for bait so well, they're not
2: that big so you kind of mm. eat the whole thing don't you yeah exactly yeah
1: so well. that's um about 38 minutes worth of talking about that hunt so that was longer than what i thought we would cover but it's mm. a good story man yeah. sorry it happened the way it did but sorry you know, i talked so long that's all right it's a good story and i like visualizing it all so it's cool um uh, what we wanted to do with the second part of this podcast is kind of go through some questions that y'all have been sending us. Um, so uh, I think you've got those ready to go. Yeah, we'll just we'll just fire off and get get rolling on that.
2: Okay, so these are uh, this is our December Q and A. It's late season questions. Uh, there is some uh, play in there, so it doesn't have to be about late season. But if you hear something and you're like, oh, what's the context? Probably late season. Yeah. So uh, to rattle or not to rattle. Mm. <clears throat>
1: i'm not gonna rattle at 7:30 a.m i don't think as in uh too early to rattle just not gonna mess up the best part of the hunt Yeah, you know, i talked about this yesterday like sometimes this time of year it's cool enough to where a deer doesn't mind moving some if you have a spot at high noon you want to go yeah see if one stands yeah. up yeah
2: that's kind of how i am too man i've been Real hesitant to rattle since about November 18th. (laughs) Um, Are you going to need to buy another freezer? (laughs) I guess that's for either
1: one of us. Um, We don't need to buy any more freezers because I got gifted a couple old freezers. But if you hadn't been gifted, then yes, Yes. we would have had to. (laughs) That's right.
2: Because we have got lots of meats and some horns. Mm. Antlers. Antlers for all you biologists out there. Uh, Midwest, no crop field edge. What area would you look for on a map?
1: You go. You've hunted the Midwest Dad, more than I have. Come um,
2: I would look for a place where multiple features come together. Uh, ideally, like um, two creeks or a creek and a couple of fingers of ridge type stuff, or like uh, hackberry ash river bottom flats meets oaks. Um, what
1: else? Uh, I would say if you, it's if it is truly the Midwest and you don't have an ag field to hunt on, you're not far from said ag field. Surely. So you need to figure out, drive around, do some glass in these fields in the evenings or whatever, figure out what fields the deer are hitting, and then uh, set up accordingly on your property to catch the deer that are going to that ag field. Mm -hmm. In fact, um, I haven't hunted a ton of field edges, but when I have, it doesn't go as good as I hoped. Um, So... I would probably shy away from that unless it's you know like cold and yeah and that's the deer out there early. Otherwise, hunting them back in the cover, headed to the egg, is the way to go. Mm-hmm.
2: Should you find bedding if you don't have a food source for late season for mornings? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could find it for evenings too. But um, if you don't have a food source, I'm assuming you're saying you don't know where a food source is. Or are you just saying that you don't have a food source on your property that you can Mm -hmm. hunt? I don't know. You need to know where they feed. Mm -hmm. Like there has to be, if you don't know where they feed, there are places like this in the U.S. We have hunted and spent time. You don't know where they feed because there's red oaks everywhere Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I don't know. But this is a place where there's some and there's sign around. Don't
1: eat the same thing every day. Yeah. That's another hard thing. Yeah, I, I think just in general, in my experience, it's harder to get in on bedding for evening hunts. But mm-hmm. in the morning, you just get there early yeah. and be ready for them to come back. That's I mean, why I yeah,
2: that. if you can get some wind, you could get in closer to bedding mm-hmm. on an afternoon or something. Um I I just think um probably you need to be looking for sign. Um if you like you can't if you don't know where bedding is and you don't know where the food is, so well find some sign. Mm-hmm. Hang a camera, hunt it and see what the camera
1: tells you. They and still uh Still hit scrapes late in the year, don't they, Tyler?
2: They can, because mm-hmm. uh, last year, later than it is now, I killed a uh, buck that was at a, was working a scrape. And their video is online if you want to watch it. It's a Kansas public land buck, actually. But, um, you know, what you can do, though, like I said, is you, if you find, like, a, a pinch or something, it still could be good because um, you may not realize it, but it could be between bedding or likely is between if there's sign there between bedding and maybe other bedding potentially or food. So <clears throat> what you need to do probably is get you something like the Moultrie Delta cell cams. And you put that up, like I said, you hunt and then you just monitor that over the next few days through the app, the Moultrie mobile app. And is what we do. And, um, you know, you can see if it's day, if there's daylight movement there and mm-hmm. if there is, then you can start to make assumptions about what's around. But more than anything, then you can hunt in that pinch and know that like you're not just hunting night sign. You yeah, know what I mean? absolutely. So. I
1: think that's a, a big thing. Another thing that I think is pretty big for the late season stuff is being able to be mobile. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if you sit somewhere and you got a ladder stand and you're just like, I'm just going to sit here, you can li- you're liable to spend a week just – on your phone and looking at Dude. an occasional squirrel, you know, but if you can move late around and eliminate, yeah, you can, you got to eliminate spots. You in have the late to season. Yeah. You're absolutely because right. The later it gets, the more patternable they are. And if you ain't seen a pattern, you got to move. And that's where, you know, saddle hunting and mobile hunting really comes into play. You mm-hmm. know, like you, we use those critters or saddles a ton. And that's mm-hmm. actually, I haven't been in a tree, not in one this year. Last year you did a little bit. You hunted out of a tree stamp and still wore a saddle. Yeah. But um i don't know if i've unless i've been on the ground
2: i don't think i've been in a tree stand this year either yeah i think it's been all cruiser saddle Isn't that weird yeah
1: i didn't even hang one this year
2: yeah speaking of we're gonna be seeing him at ata he's gonna have a booth yeah
1: there's a booth at ata vector and cruiser got booths at yeah, ata it's cool yeah so uh if you're there guys holler at us i know it's not a show a lot of people go to but yeah we'll be there um this
2: might be from the world famous at Cast and Catch. <laughs>
1: How do I kill a buck? No. <laughs> Is that from you? It might be it might be from a while back. I don't remember. It's, uh, that's a, definitely from a while back. Yeah. Um <clears throat> I I said something different on one today, I think. That's why I was saying that. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Cast and um, catch sent you something. Um the <laughs> best way to kill a buck, uh, late season, find you a green field somewhere and Yep. So hunt cold deer, weather, too. Hunt cold weather. If you that's can right.
2: get some really good cold weather, just mm-hmm. that's when you should be there. Use Don't a gun. Be, yeah, use a gun for that's real, right. dude. That's the truth. Especially if you're in Texas and you got an eight-week gun season. That's right. Everybody's like, oh, we got eight days. Gun, man, it ruins our deer hunting. I'm like, oh, you should try it in eight weeks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, they try to do some stupid stuff called antler restrictions here to improve the deer. It's like, listen, if you just made it to where not every buck – got smoked that people wanted to smoke it would probably yeah. change it yeah people are mad at us now sorry they guys no yeah. no
2: yeah it's I mean whatever we love <laughs> hunter opportunity uh, should you call during the late season if so when I'm guessing we kind of hashed this already but like midday is a good time to go rattling and stuff possibly
1: yeah um, I feel like uh, grunt calls work pretty good lately yeah
2: season. Um, grunts are definitely good yeah you like that uh, can call don't you
1: yeah. <laughs> Actually, because I, I, that you can like make that noise with your mouth pretty good. Mm. I, I did that here all back on something. You can make or... all kinds of noises with your mouth pretty <laughs> <very>
2: good. <laughs> That's
1: right. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, um, yeah. I would. I mean, yeah. Grunt calls can be good. I think. Uh, I think November 29th, we grunted in two bucks from way way away mm-hmm. one time on public. Um, and um, I mean. Last year when I shot that bucket the scrape,
1: they were grunting like crazy. And you know, um, I think that grunt calls work better out of the heat of the rut because they're less zombie. Yeah, yeah. You know, in the heat of the rut, sometimes they're so zombie they don't. It's like they don't care. Mm. I would. Uh, I would also suggest maybe,
2: like I don't know. I don't know how you do this actually. Um, like all the the grunting. Content like video content that you could look up would probably be something like crazy grunt experience or whatever, and it'd be some buck roar or whatever. Yeah, you know, like, like your
1: Iowa buck from seventeen. Yeah, yeah,
2: that happens. But like, or
1: I've heard a 19. lot more
2: bet, oh bet, yeah, that just little things that just are short and sweet. And so, like, if you're grunting, maybe you do a little more than just does buck grunt a or, lot
1: lower than people give them credit for too. Yeah, they grunt more than people think that does bleat and like yeah. that is a thing a doe can do. But I've heard Doe's grunt a ton yeah. this year, but it's always that, bit. bit, bit. Yeah, it's you're like, like quiet. When yeah. you hear it, like you kind of wonder which deer it actually came yeah. from, or because it, they don't move their like
2: mouth. Looking behind, they're you ventriloquists. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are. So uh, I would suggest not doing, a, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, you know, granted, that's the way to be heard sometimes. Get their attention. But, um, let's see what terrain features should you be focusing on during the late season. Creek bottoms. Creek bottoms, um, I mean thick thickets would be uh, more than anything. not it's not, it's not so much feature, the terrain. But, yeah, but, yeah, like so, like thick and honestly, like the later it gets, the more confident I feel in hunting far from the road mm-hmm. uh, or from the access. I I just feel like bucks get into a thicket wherever hunters have not been, and that's where they stay during the day
1: a lot of times tickets are on um in the northern hemisphere they're on north facing slopes too so Mm uh you know you keep that in mind those things kind of correlate and um in a warmer late season like we're having deer have their winter coats on and they can get hot in the the day Mm -hmm. so you know that shade on the north side is, is a pretty big deal
2: yep yep um sorry that we didn't maybe cover too many terrain features but uh more than anything i think just being secluded um discuss techniques in which you can use thermals to your advantage mornings sunny sunny mornings
1: sunny mornings work um hunting on the tree closest to the water as you possibly can on a creek Mm -hmm. works pretty good that's a um like a low wind situation. If you got like one of those super still late season evenings going or mornings, the water's always cooler. So it'll kind of draw your scent that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anytime
2: the wind is low is when you can use thermals. When the mm-hmm. wind's kicking, it's kind of hard to use thermals. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can get like, if you could even get, we've, we've seen where like, I don't even know if this is necessarily a thermal action, but at Babylon, when we get like a 10, 10 mile out of the, North or whatever, mm-hmm. it blows up against a hill and kind of shoots it up. Mm-hmm. And so Eric and Eric and I had this
1: Erica, yeah, uh, with Erica. Uh, <laughs> Eric and I had the same thing happening the other day in Oklahoma. Yeah, same deal. The wind got uh, it wasn't great once the deer got past us, but whenever the wind was like higher than twelve, it was strong enough that we were on an incline and our milkweed would just go straight out over the top of the deer for like 80 yards. You mm-hmm. know? So. That's
2: also well, like another thing to think about um, in thermals is like if you're hunting the afternoon, a lot of times you'll have like a hot three, four o'clock and then it'll cool off mm-hmm. in the evening. So like you need to think about when are these deer most likely to come by me? In the late season, it's, it's usually late, but, you know, if it's cold, you might get some early movement. And if it's cold and sunny, then your thermals might stay relatively high. Mm-hmm. for until that sun kind of sinks below the horizon so mm-hmm. if you can get them killed before the sun gets too low if you think they'll come by you you're close to betting or whatever you know you can take your chances it's late mm-hmm. season it's kind of what do you have to lose kind yeah. of thing um when you come across awesome sign how do you find the kill tree
1: what's awesome sign <sighs> because does that mean buck sign this time of year somebody <clears throat> asked this in a different version it might be on there later uh, but like this, this time of year, awesome sign is a good trail. Yeah.
2: That's what, that's what I think too.
1: Like if I find a good trail that has fresh tracks, you know, hopefully you get rain every four or five days this time of year. So like you have, you know, if it's been dry, it's like, well, how long has that trail been there or whatever, yeah. you know, but this time of year, you know, we, we had rain a couple days ago here and you know that all the tracks you see are fairly fresh. So a good trail, um, then I say, follow that back to the thicket. And then Mm -hmm. that's where you find the killing tree. Yeah. I mean,
2: if this is like a general question, like, like you said, I mean, you can find a fresh scrape this time of year too. Like Mm -hmm. the scrapes I found there in Kansas last year, I knew they had been being used. They weren't like scraped out too much, but they didn't have leaves laying in them either. Uh But they weren't like, it wasn't, it didn't look like something had just ripped it. You know what Uh I mean? Like it was just kind of, but there were tracks in them Mm -hmm. that were fresh. And so I knew that they had been standing there licking the licking branch Mm -hmm. and that's what they do later. They don't really go all fired up peeing in them and stuff. So that's something else. But like if you're just talking generally when it comes to sign uh, throughout the year in the rut or whatever, if you're looking at, you know, scrapes, rubs, uh, you know, whatever um, the killing tree, uh, you kind of get a feel for like how high you can get with three or four sticks. And then you can see these trees and go, Oh, there's a spot where I can stand right there and get shots, you know, out on whatever side of the tree, depending on your if you're saddle hunting or stand hunting or whatever. And the killing tree to me, I I like to get that thing as dang close to the whatever sign that I feel like they're going to be using as possible. If it's a scrape, you know, I want to be 10 or 15 yards from that scrape and have an assumption of where they're coming in from and shoot them before they get there kind of thing. And, you know, use it. If you're, for us, this is hard because we have a cameraman. We can't both hide on one side of the tree. But as a dude that's just hunting in a saddle, like you can hide as that deer comes in around the tree and they just lean out and shoot the deer when he's at 20 yards. Mm-hmm. So being close isn't too big of a deal. Um, But that's kind of, that's what I always think about is like, man, I ain't trying to put my uh, killing tree. I'm not trying to hunt 40 yards from the scrape or whatever. So, And sometimes, you know, you can't really make that work very well but I would rather hunt a smaller tree that's, you know, 20 yards than hunt a big tree that's 39 or something from the scrape, you know? Yeah,
1: as long as it's within reason of the smallness of the tree. Mm. Like, the more I do this, I'm cool with hanging a small tree if that's what it takes to kill, but I like a tree that's, you know, 12, 14 inches in diameter. That way you can do a little bit of hiding and you look a little bit concealed. You know. Mm -hmm. I actually don't like hanging in a tree that's much bigger than two foot around. Mm-hmm. It's like not much fun. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to see around. Yeah. It's hard to work around. Hard to get shots sometimes. Yep. you know, you're taking out you know seventy degrees if you're shooting, just because there's a, a tree in the way. Mm-hmm. How does the saddle fit with a lot of layers? I had to wear a lot of layers this year. Uh, I just do. Yeah, I don't. Um, I also put my saddle on underneath some of my layers, which yeah. you don't do. I I do. You I do? Wear,
2: yeah, I wear my saddle under my uh, under gorilla under your coveralls. Suit. You do? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So I just leave my like I have a coveralls and I just leave them open, and my saddle just peeks through. So does it have a
1: bottom zipper? You uh, talk
2: about? Yeah, it does. But I don't I don't do it that way. Yeah. I usually just leave it open, and then have a jacket on or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, if I need more up top, I'll just add jackets. Yeah. So, but like I'll go underneath my coveralls through the you know big old zipper on the front so Mm -hmm.
1: i think that as um things continue you'll start seeing brands make saddle specific stuff waiting
2: on somebody to do that man i
1: know it they need to either we need to do it
2: yeah we should probably do it because i'm tired of these camo companies (laughs) uh let's see um your boy boatner says does cullen work
1: Culling of culling deer, Cullen Gillespie, or calling the uh, guy off of. do of any of these guys. Uh, <laughs> um, no, okay, but what it depends on what you're trying to do. But <laughs> culling, what do you think? I like to shoot deer. I so. do too. <laughs> i mean if you whatever you whatever it could, you were, <laughs> whatever you can do to justify shooting the deer do it i if love it, yeah if you need to it's call like, him oh, he's two years
2: old he's a 10 point about 140 he's a dude <laughs> let me tell you
1: <laughs> if you just want to just see the gamut of that stuff get on one of them east texas hunting things on Shoot, facebook texas period yeah and they're like oh yeah man this is 7.5 year old you know he's cool and, yeah uh,
2: here, here's the thing: is what the the term "coal" doesn't necessarily imply that you're ma- improving the
1: genetics, though. You know yeah. what I mean? Like a coal is just to take something out. Yeah, yeah. But right? Well, yes, but in the sense of whitetail, that's what everybody's saying it yeah. for. You ain't improving the genetics on nothing, bro. Just like you can't improve your own genetics, you can't improve the deer genetics either. Yeah. So that's uh,
2: uh, that's kind of what he's in, yeah inquiring about or. I don't know if he's necessarily inquiring about it or just throwing us a bone, but that's kind of... He
1: might be messing with us, too. You, know, yeah. you never know about boner. Shoot, I'll
2: call him. <laughs> uh, y'all y'all going to kill any Texas deer this year?
1: This is from your boy, Michael Presswood. You killed one. I did. Just didn't find him. Nope. Mm. Come coming up a joke. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> I passed one the other day because of AR that I probably shouldn't have.
2: Yeah, well... I haven't even passed one at my property this yeah. year. Y'all remember that Ranch Buck, that video <laughs> called Ranch Buck? There's a whole series that we did. Yeah, yeah that is over with. That's what we call the legacy one-off. Is, <laughs> that's called one-off. When you got people that just come in and shoot every deer around you, you then sell your property. Yeah, cry a bunch. I think I'm just going to make a mobile home park out of it, actually. You should. Yeah. That's what I would do. Um, hunting Mark Twain, last week of December, what kind of food are deer eating in late season?
1: There's some beans around Mark Twain, is there? Yeah, I Pintos. Would, uh, refried soys. <laughs> you know how they say in the South, I mean, soys. Mark, soy.
2: I think they're at a Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's it. That's what I'd look for. Yeah, up there.
2: I think I'd. Uh, I don't know enough about it. I don't guess. We, I mean, we scouted it. Yeah, I just don't but. know what it looks like in January.
1: Yeah, is there, that's very are they true. hitting Greenbrier? red oaks maybe i bet you that place looks a lot different than when we were there i guarantee it does (laughs) i bet you it looks like it's i mean it's mostly you know old growth timber it's gonna look real open yeah it
2: was really thick when we were there because of the ticks they Mm.
1: were just so thick (laughs) (laughs) you couldn't even see (laughs) (laughs) couldn't see through the ticks they were just waving their arms out at you but as far as like natural forage i don't have a clue
2: Uh, i I would assume if you can find swamp or willow oaks that have the real red, orange acorns that they could be something this time of year. Mm. Um yeah, sorry I don't have a whole lot on you for that. Or however you say that. Uh what are you looking for in open country? I don't know where to start. Oh, well, I mean my favorite. at Laguna. Uh I was just looking for edge of some mm-hmm. sort. And so like I found that in mesquites and then like there was a it was a huge open flat that I was on, you know. Uh but there are like patches of you'll find this anywhere from the plains to all the way down to the Gulf Coast plains where I was at you know like you'll find these patches of grass that are a foot taller than everything else or a plum thicket that's you know four foot taller than everything else, mm-hmm. but it's still not very tall it doesn't look like much from you know looking out on it, but that kind of stuff and then um you know like if it's uh if it's pretty fairly hilly. Um, they'll go around the tops of drains and stuff like that, you know. So you gotta think about that. What else am I missing?
1: I think that the the key that I think you just talked about is map scanning works great in open country. So you can do that stuff a lot. And things you can really focus on is anything that's different than the monotony. Yeah, you know. So like it's like you said, if you know you're in kind of open prairie country in this one area is like a creek kind of depression type thing it's going to have a little bit different type of you know brush in it or whatever oh oh, yeah there's gonna be a ton of deer in there
2: also visual seclusion from roads is Mm -hmm. pretty uh pretty key i think as well i'm going to roll two questions together here because we've got one on instagram that kind of goes like this but uh best late season north texas food sources um so um the one the one that I'm rolling together is kind of like what show you be looking for in North Texas. Um, mm.
1: Briars. Privets. Uh, privets. Honeysuckle. Uh, wheat if, or oats if you can find it on private. How do you feel about ryegrass? Like um, just kind of naturally
2: stuff like road ditch stuff.
1: Yeah. They eat it for sure. Yeah. I, I, it's targeting it, It's hard because it's kind of widespread. Yeah. Um, I mean they didn't say public did they?
2: No. I guess. So, yeah, uh, right. Corn. Corn would be great. Would be good.
1: <laughs> a pile of corn would be good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you might still find a few persimmons around. You got any persimmons in your tree still?
2: I don't think so. Well, I, hadn't, that, I hadn't noticed them, but I yeah. hadn't been looking for them.
1: I saw somebody post. I'm actually in a persimmon group on Facebook, and a guy posted that there was still some hanging at his place. So, hmm. Yeah.
2: Um. Oh, uh, red oaks, you know, swamp yeah, and yeah, willow yeah. oaks, too, especially if you want to shoot pigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, what <laughs> wild foods are edible in western North Carolina?
1: <laughs> Deer, turkey, quail. There you go. Yeah, those are all pretty good. Those edible. are
2: good ones. Yeah. Uh, can I come hunt over a food source with y'all? No,
1: because <laughs> we don't have one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh What's the best self-filming camera lens combo and how much does it cost? Um, I've got one right here in my hand. That's right. Telephone.
1: We well, actually I have a friend that's been doing that quite a bit.
2: <laughs> I hadn't heard anybody call that a telephone in a while, dude. Uh, sorry,
1: man. That's the way it goes. <laughs>
2: Cellular phone.
1: Um, Cellular device. I mean, that, AX100, AX53, AX33, those are all pretty good. You yeah. don't have to buy a lens. It's a cam- camcorder. Yeah. Right? The only thing is is it doesn't take pictures. So If you're a picture, like photography – you want to do them both. You can't do that with that. But I would go with one of those camcorders, you know, 800 bucks or yeah. so.
2: Canon Vixia. Uh, Panasonic. Panasonic
1: makes a good one. Luminix, I think,
2: or something yeah. like that. Um, what are you looking for other than tree diameter on
1: rubs? Height. Height. Um, re- relation to other stuff. Yeah. You know, like you find a big rub in a road ditch that's got you know uh on one side of the road and winter wheat on the other he did that about 2 a.m yeah you know yeah. so
2: also uh this whichever side it's like most yeah. rubbed up you can tell which direction they're kind of coming from so like in arkansas this year i made a uh, assumptions about um which direction deer were moving based off of uh the closest food source and um What side of the tree these two rubs were on on the end of this finger, so I you know could assume that deer are coming down this kind of sloping f- uh finger of a ridge and staging up right at the end of it before they get to the creek as like you know pre staging to go out to a food source, so I could tell which direction they're coming from, which help- which helps me find the kill tree mm-hmm. so um full size decoy or heads up <clears throat> hmm. <laughs> Depends on the situation.
1: Yeah. I How haven't had either. much success with either of them, Yeah, but limited.
2: You have uh, had a few deer come into the uh, full size, though. Yeah, I
1: have. i had a deer react um, not negatively or positively to the heads up this year. Yeah. I feel like I just still need to get better at using that thing. Yeah. And it's one of those deals, just like a lot of other types of hunting scenarios, it's uh, you got to do it. A lot to get good at it and mm. it's like hard to put yourself in that situation a, a bunch yeah. yeah
2: yeah i think the the also the thought of mobility like you know you can't carry a full size very far so with that being said like do you you know what it, what it, wherever you're going if it's a long ways in you probably don't want to carry a full size mm-hmm. so just thoughts they're loud they are allowed to yeah but i think overall they look more realistic to deer mm-hmm. and i think that deer are more apt to come in to mm-hmm. that than just a uh, kind of head. Uh, what tips do you have for late season deer hunting when the temps aren't favorable? <clears throat> hunt mornings. Yeah. Yeah. Hunt mornings. Cause it'll be cool. Um, uh, if it's, if it's warm, I would hunt closer to bedding in the afternoons if you can. Um, I don't know what else. I just, uh,
1: hold the rifle, hold the rifle, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, adjust what you think is a shooter accordingly. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you if like you're the kind of guy who has a number in your head. It's going to be kind of tough, but like, you know, if you're on an out of state trip and you got tough temps, and it's your one trip of the year, might just go to slinging. You yeah. know, what I
2: mean? guarantee I would have done that in Arkansas if I hadn't already shot four bucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you ever tried using a half rack buck in an attempt to look like a less dominant buck?
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't think it made a difference. But we did that um, when we chased out of the big necessity. one. <laughs> yeah, out of necessity this yeah. year when we
2: chased the big one. Um, but I think that's a thing that people do. And I, I have heard from the owner of Heads Up, I think, that mm. uh, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't make a difference. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um, okay.
2: Ha- uh, assuming I should focus on food sources in the Midwest next week. Is that uh, a good assumption, fair assumption? Sounds good to me. Yeah, I mean, if you got deer, you know. So Here's we're the deal. If you're hunting like, especially if you're hunting like a piece of private that hadn't been molested too much, like you can kill deer late season on food. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially if you get cold weather. I mean, that's anywhere with cold weather. Uh, can you take quartering two shots with a mechanical
1: broadhead? Yeah. Um, Just going to have to kind of evaluate accordingly to what the angle is and that sort of thing you know you don't want to hit him on the peak of the shoulder yeah uh you really don't want to do that no matter what yeah but um
2: i like a i like a straight on shot yeah frontal
1: yeah, yeah. i
2: don't i don't love the quartering of the mechanical um but like if you can if he's coming at you and you can work in uh in front of the shoulder like it's pretty much a frontal mm-hmm. then yeah for sure shoot. or if he's close yeah.
1: Because you can shoot above the shoulder.
2: Yeah, I did you know? that in uh, Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. But I wasn't shooting a mechanical, mm-hmm. but I, I still would have shot him there if I had been. Um, let's see. A couple more here. Almost done. Um, what sign are you looking for in the late season? There's two questions from two different people for that.
1: Yeah. The trails for me, for sure. Trails. Trails. Yeah. uh. Creek crossings, fence crossings, they all kind of relate back to deer movement because that's what matters.
2: And if you can look at, if you can look at, um, (laughs) hey,
1: look, watch Brown Bear.
2: If you can look at a uh, food source, like right where the deer would come out, and you can kind of get a gauge on the traffic and what traffic looks like right there at that food source, that can really help you to know like, are they using this field or are they using that field more? Mm -hmm. So if you have access to that that could help you decide what the destination really is. Um, so, uh, Chris Carter wants to know, like if you're hunting ag fields, that ag fields that are, uh, disc, disked, disked up, like all around you, uh-huh. what kind of sign or what are you looking for to hunt? Kind of the same thing we talked about earlier, Midwest with no ag fields around. We yeah. answered that question, I guess kind of, it's like, if you're not, if they're disced up, then there's no destination ag food source. So you're looking for other types of food like red oaks or whatever. Or just you know, the cover.
1: Or cover. So you know, the, if you're in a Midwest, well, I know where he's at, you know, so like it's all ag, hardly any timber, mm-hmm. right? And just kind of fence rows and maybe some creeks. Like the deer are just going to have to make a living. And they might be out there at night just covering all those disc fields, just, you know, kind of foraging, just yeah. looking around. So you might just be trying to find the cover. Yeah.
2: I mean, they're afraid to go nowhere at mm-hmm. night. So, like, road ditches, I know it's not, you know. But if there's, if there's a road ditch with green grass in it and, you know, it's uh, – there's a – Big pocket of timber that sits way off and a tree line that comes all the way up to the road. Deer will follow that all the way up to the road and feed at night there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's a reason they get, they get blasted on the road by 18-wheelers. <laughs> That's
1: right. Uh, where should I place cams in late season? Food sources. Food sources. Don't be afraid to get night pictures in late season. It's the one time of year that a night picture can actually do you some good because mm-hmm. you can just track them back. Yep. Um, how many arrows you take when you go hog hunting?
2: A lot, every one of my got. That's right, full quiver. <laughs> yeah,
1: you used to be a, a a half empty quiver guy. You've been that way some this year too. Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't. I haven't carried
2: a full quiver. I've only carried a qu- full quiver one time and it was at Laguna. Yeah. Yeah. Mr.
1: Prototype arrow over here. That's it. Yeah. Can't get enough of them. I know it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you worry. Tyler's about to be the poster boy for vector arrows Yeah, hey, hey. shooting giants with the prototype arrows. Uh, I'm so. not pretty enough. Um, well, your deer will be the poster deer. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'll take that. What optics are good for beginners? The most affordable ones you can afford the best you can afford
1: that you can still see <laughs> decent out of. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, I would say a beginner needs good binos more than an expert. <laughs> I guarantee you, they can't figure out how to see a deer. Yeah, you know? uh,
1: yeah. But I mean, you could go wide with that and say binos instead of a spotter. Don't yeah, get a yeah. spotter. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think something with a fairly wide field of view is good for a beginner, so they can see more. You know, like by mm-hmm. forty two is kind of the standard yeah, for whitetail hunters. I like a
2: ten by. Yeah, for sure. The bigger the the bigger the second number the more light it will get objective yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so you know what in whatever you can afford the better the glass the more you're going to be like wow this is awesome mm-hmm. so uh presswood wants to know straight body spotters why do you prefer them over angled
1: um well i haven't got to use a ton of either but we have straight ones um they uh for my truck it's easier for yeah. sure you don't have to turn things sideways, or even just standing there. You know, you can yeah. just do that thing where you can look straight out. I uh, think target
2: acquisition or whatever you want to call it is way better with a straight.
1: You point it at
2: it. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm looking out at it, and then I just put my eye down into the straight. Mm-hmm. But if you if you got an angled one, you have to actually look your head down,
1: you know, to to get your eye into the objective. I'm order. gonna use something uh, which he didn't challenge us on. He just wanted to know which one, why we like that one better because we do. What are the advantages of angled? I don't really have one. Maybe I don't know. it's more compact.
2: I don't know. Yeah, that's a good a good question. There's got. I mean, there's a reason somebody's yelling at us right now. Like this is why they created these. You know. Or whatever. I wonder
1: if it's easier to magnify an angled, like because like where it hits the prism in there, it, yeah. it helps with magnification. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Or maybe just uh, helps your, or I, I get. I guess there's a there is an advantage with um, like sun glare. So, like you know how athletes wear the eye black or whatever to keep the glare down if you oh. if your head is facing down from the sun, you've got mm-hmm. a more of a shaded uh
1: face, i guess and I guess uh, you don't have to have as tall of a tripod, yeah, if you want to stand there in glass, it only has to be chest high mm-hmm. as opposed to head high, yeah, yeah, I feel like uh <laughs> I don't know that would be my question for someone who was like, you're dumb for using the strength, which presser sure wasn't, you know, but yeah. I learned that from, uh, Mike Winger the other day because he was like, you know, when someone comes up to you and says, well, you know, Christianity was actually created by the Romans. Instead of disproving them, just say, okay, uh, prove it. You know, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like you don't always have to justify your side of a, yeah. of something you can just need, you can turn it back around on somebody, which yeah. I'm not saying Michael didn't do that at no, all. No, but no, no, yeah. That, Um, Well, I don't feel strongly enough about the straight either. Yeah. yeah. I am straight. You you are straight. And you feel strongly about that. (laughs) That's right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So that kind of wraps up our Q&A. We appreciate all the questions. Um, We appreciate all the support this year. It's been a great year for us. Um, We're hoping that the next year is even better as we pursue uh, doing this for a living and hopefully uh, just enjoying time together um, over the next year. And as we expand our team and get more guys involved, and really are just having, we've been having so much fun. That's we have right. a we have a Colorado buck series that's going to release. So I shot a buck Ooh. in Colorado, not Colorado buck, but a buck in Colorado, <laughs> and uh, and so we're gonna. Oh my goodness! Drip, drip, drip <laughs> goes the water. Um, so. Anyway it's a uh, I think there's gonna be three videos that come out so hopefully you guys are interested in looking at some of this stuff it's really cool footage Eric did a good job um and I kill a buck at the end of it which is really, really fun and really cool yeah. um so be looking for that uh, we appreciate all the support with all the Kansas stuff too um uh, those videos have done really well and um I mean that was just it was just a fun part of the season man I'm glad you know. Yeah we weren't the only ones that we packed it. a lot
1: of fun into about 3 days in November. <laughs> Dude, that gun it we did. And then a week later we
2: did the Colorado deal and then yeah. uh, Chris Webb, you know, if you you guys may know him from the South Dakota series this year, he's uh he shot a deer on the 20th um, on Texas Private um, good buck. So we're going to we're going to be hopefully putting that out too and then uh, you and I or are, are you and I and Hunter and Eric are not finished. Let's write some more stuff coming up we're going to so have hopefully.
1: a little uh, Mostly element meetup, yeah, coming up pretty soon, we're gonna try to finish out the year with a couple unfield tags, so, yeah, uh kind of excited, I am very excited, man. <laughs> I'm hoping to shoot ducks whenever you tag your deer. Oh, we might shoot ducks even before that happens <laughs> to tell you the truth in the matter because um it's gonna be kind of warm, midday's gonna be worth a whole lot, mm-hmm. I've already driven this area pretty good. What else are we going to do? Get a little ducky. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, will bring guys, some bacon for sure. <laughs> yeah,
2: for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thank you guys for, so much for the support. It really does mean a lot. I hope you have a Merry Christmas. Um, and I hope that you um, understand kind of what Christmas is really about. Um, and if you don't, um, then maybe you can holler at us and see what we think about it. But um, I am very appreciative of what happened on Christmas and the significance of it. And I am very appreciative also that there is a time that is pretty much designated uh, probably worldwide pretty much nearly um, or at least a big part of the yeah. world realizes that it's a time to be with family mm-hmm. and uh, spend time together and enjoy each other. So I'm appreciative of that.
1: Yep. I don't know if y'all realize it, but my son has joined us for the last uh, 15 minutes or so. And I appreciate it. I appreciate him too. Yeah. Um, but um, he is... Kind of taken after his dad with the animal noises. He does those better than he does words. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, it's you um, might hear some of that. You but. can
2: you can say javelina pretty good, but you can definitely <laughs> speak Havelina really well.
1: <laughs> That's funny, man. Uh. That's funny. Well, I will be sure and remember to not blow your eardrums out on this trip like I have in the past. And y'all remember that this is your element. Live in it.
0: Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now, and if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some Meat Eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls, and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls, or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close, you can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll, and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls, and what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give him the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So, it's not that I don't like them. i just have Yanni use his. Then I'll have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today.